How do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V2G possible? What is V2G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hi, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and the new energy economy. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Communications Director at Electric Vehicle Charging Services Provider Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. I'm joined here by my boss, our managing partner and co-founder, Peter Badik. Hi, everybody. We have launched this podcast because the transition to electric vehicles is happening. Sure, it's faster or slower in some countries, depending on where you live, but it's going to have a huge impact on our cities and our communities, our environment and our energy systems, and how we use and relate to our cars. Once electric vehicles become a mass market item, which could happen as soon as 2040 or 2050, so really less than 25 years from now, the changes will be massive and will affect everyone, regardless of the size of the community you live in. So that's why we launched this initiative. For all of you who have no idea what an electric vehicle is but are EV curious, for professionals and experts who are just hungering for more debate and discussion on critical topics in the industry, we want to have them here. We're working in the industry every single day. We get questions from people who've never touched an electric vehicle before, like, how far will my friend's electric vehicle go? And if I borrow it, can I charge in the rain? But also we work with DSOs, battery manufacturers, and governments who are asking complex questions about grids, extensions, and capacity. So we really deal with it all, and all of it from the regional context of Central and Eastern Europe. It's a really wonderful mix, and we want to share that with you here on this podcast. This is our second episode, and we're really pleased to be joined on the line from Brussels by Julia Poliskanova who's the manager of clean vehicles and air quality with the research and advocacy group Transport and Environment. Hi, Julia. Hi. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for calling in. It's really wonderful to have you because this episode and this topic are really important to us. We want to be talking today about the clean fuels and CO2 emissions bill that's being debated in Brussels right now. And I think there's probably no one better who can talk about it than you. So before we dive in, the name of the bill, which I must say is is really quite a mouthful, uh, if you can even call it a name, is Proposal for a Regulation of the European Parliament and of the Council Setting Emission Performance Standards for New Passenger Cars and for New Light Commercial Vehicles as Part of the Union's Integrated Approach to Reducing CO2 Emissions from Light Duty Vehicles and Amending Regulation Number 715-2007. Julia, is that actually the name of the bill? Yes, I agree with you. It's a it's a complete mouthful. But of course, here in Brussels, no one calls it that. Uh, for us, just like uh, every every bill usually has its name, this is a cars CO2 law or an electric car law, depending on how you want to call it. So there's a shortcut as well. Okay, good. I mean, I'm American, and in my country, they wittily name bills like the Jobs Act. They really try to beat people overhead with it. Uh, or more famously, there's the Patriot Act. Not that uh, Russell should take too much on his naming from the United States Congress, but the bill itself, even as challenging as the name is, is really, really important. And that's why we wanted to dedicate this episode to talking about it. What happens on this bill could have huge implications for air quality, climate change, the electric vehicle and infrastructure industries, and the automotive sector in general in Europe. So before we dive into what's in the bill, 
Why is this so important? What does this mean for people and for businesses? This is a key European law that will bring down the emissions from all the cars around Europe, but also really define the speed and pace of transition in Europe towards electric vehicles. Uh, today, road transport is the largest source of CO2 emissions in Europe. And actually, cars are around two-thirds of that. So without actually reducing the emissions from that sector, we cannot and will not meet our climate goals and will not adhere to the Paris Climate Agreement. So the Commission proposed this legislation to put car emissions back on track by proposing um, mandatory CO2 reduction targets for car manufacturers for 2025 and 2030. This is also a really key law to control what technology manufacturers actually put on the market, so what cars they sell. And as such, this is the main electric car law as well, not just about CO2 emissions. Today in Europe, we largely sell diesel vehicles. We are way behind China and California, who have their own quotas or mandatory targets for sales of electric cars. So unless we have something in the same line here in Europe, we will be behind not only with our air quality, but also with our jobs and future competitiveness of our industry. So this bill really could affect a lot. Peter, I know you, know, you and I have talked a lot, given that we share an office and quite a few trips together that Dieselgate really hit us hard and really hit you hard personally. Yeah, yeah, that's very much true. And I can only agree that this is really a key legislative initiative. This is really a, something very important. And maybe to all what said, I would add the perspective of my industry. And if you look on electric mobility, it's not uh, about electric vehicles only or about uh, infrastructure only. It's a whole ecosystem. But everything starts in electric vehicles. The number of electric vehicles which we see on the street and uh, even in my industry, I see a very importance of this bill because it could bring us certain predictability. As we talk in other episodes of this podcast, the charging infrastructure needs to be on a place. But in order to build it, it's going to be a huge endeavor. It's going to be a huge investment. A lot of things has to happen. And for that, we need to have certain predictability how many electric vehicles are going to be in the streets of Europe. And in this respect, this bill is absolutely crucial. It gives us the framework, how quickly we can speed up, how quickly we can activate human resources or financial resources to build infrastructure. And this bill brings the predictability of number of electric vehicles on the streets and gives a predictability to the whole ecosystem. Yeah. You know, we've mentioned a few times that this bill will lower emissions or could have mandates for numbers of electric vehicles on the market. But why is that important? I can't help now, but when I do look around and see all the tailpipes and especially cars or vans that really just emit a lot of exhaust and can't help but thinking what's going into the air and, you know, what is the air that I'm breathing, that my daughter is breathing, that my wife, that my friends are breathing, touches everybody. You know, it's a pan-European issue as well. You know, the European Environment Agency, even in their 2018 air quality report, which was released recently, called air pollution the single largest environmental health threat facing Europe. So, you know, for me, on the on the really personal side, this air quality issue is one of the top reasons why I think working on these issues is important. I don't know. How do you feel? Yes, indeed. We feel it very strongly in uh, many parts of Eastern Europe. And uh, maybe it's not only because of the traffic, but as well other pollutions. But air quality is, is a topic everywhere. And uh, the problem is it's a silent killer. So not so people understand that, that basically the air or the pollution from the traffic may kill more people than real accidents on the streets. 
And if we would see a politician saying that they don't care about the accidents, probably the politician will not be in office for long. But we have a politicians who are saying that they don't care about air quality, which is, in my view, a big problem and the same problem as not caring about the people killed on the street by the car. Yeah, it's a really huge problem. And we'll get later on to the debate about you don't have to be anti-jobs in order to be in favor of cleaner vehicles and cleaner technology, that those are not mutually exclusive. But I guess the last piece to talk about here is climate change. And while this has been developing well before even this bill came up, and I mean, the recent report from the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change saying that we basically have 12 years in order to address the amount of carbon that is emitted into the atmosphere in order to keep the planet within a 1.5 degree heat rise, that is a incredible statement being made. I mean, Julia, has this factored into the debate in Brussels at all? Um, yes, absolutely. I think uh, for all of us, the latest IPCC report really stressed the urgency that we need to act fast. If we look at cars, just to highlight the importance of this particular bill now on the table, if we want to be zero emission in our car segment in 2050, we have to sell the last combustion engine, be it petrol or diesel, in 2035 because actually cars are on the road around 15 years on average. And in countries like Slovakia, even longer. So 2035 is really the latest when we should really phase out combustion engines. That means that in the next decade, we really have to ramp up the sales and the developments in the zero emission car segment, which are mostly battery electric vehicles. So this bill here on the table will really create the market for zero emission vehicles, for electric cars. It will really require manufacturers to change their business models from selling diesels today to selling electric vehicles. will require them to create choice for customers to really invest in the supply chain and capacity here in Europe. Also, as a result, will decrease the price of these vehicles. All this mass market is really important, and it's the only way for millions and millions of Europeans to actually be able to get away from their polluting, killing in some ways, dirty diesel cars across to a sustainable zero emission option. Yeah, I would like to add a very good point saying that the vehicles itself do not leave for four or five years. We in Europe used to look on it from a perspective, well, I'm buying the very clean diesel, it's Euro 6, it's emitting almost nothing, and it's great. But it's great maybe for the first four or five years, and then very often we just sell the car to somewhere else, maybe sometimes even out of the Europe. But these cars which are produced now, which are very clear now in showrooms, will not be so clear in 10 years, but they will be still alive. They are not going to be destroyed in five years. So basically what we do, we may have a clean diesel now in Europe, which will be dirty diesel in 15 years in Asia or in Africa. And I think this is a part of our responsibility towards the world. If we are able to, and we are, that's no doubt, if we are able to move to the better option, then we should do it as soon as possible. So what do you tell someone who bought a car and didn't think too much about what went into it because that was just normal, say, five, ten years ago. And, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of money and an electric vehicle is some, or any new vehicle is something more expensive. They've only bought secondhand vehicles. And just generally the idea of buying a new and an electric car is just, you know, something that they can't really conceive of. How do you engage with that person? To be honest, I don't blame the customers in this respect, because I do understand that we said that there is about five or seven types of electric vehicles in the market, comparing to about 350 of diesel or gasoline vehicles. 
So sometimes people need to choose. Even myself, I'm driving a large fossil fuel vehicle because I have a big family and I cannot fit them to any electric vehicle available on the market at this stage. We should say that's in addition to your e-up, which I think is your city car for coming to and from work. That's true. That's true. I'm trying to use electric vehicle as much as possible, but sometimes simply I don't have the option. That's reality. And therefore, I wouldn't blame these people. I would just give them more option. And in this respect, this bill is extremely, extremely important because you need to understand how the automobile industry works in Europe. And actually, without any push from the regulators, which try to fix the negative externality of the building of diesel and gasoline vehicles, there is a very low chance that by themselves they will really move to better alternative. Unfortunately, I think the many, many OEMs are simply favoring short-term gains instead of the long-term vision and long-term technology. Julia, do you get input from sort of individual people who are confronted with having to make a choice about a vehicle, a personal vehicle, or even input from the European Consumers Union? Uh, Yes, absolutely. And I think I really agree with what was said before. Uh, There's a lot of really frustrated consumers that actually bought a diesel in good faith and are now being told that they can't use it anymore with all the diesel bans, for example, coming up in German cities and the rest of uh, Western Europe. And actually, it's really important to stress here that indeed it's not the consumer to be blamed. But we also have to be honest and say that the car industry is the one to blame because it's not just the fact that they were producing diesels, they were producing non-compliant diesels. They were cheating the emissions regulations. And actually those customers that even bought diesels thinking they were clean, they in effect were cheated because their cars were emitting much more than the labels were saying. So it's not just that diesel is not enough to be zero emission, it's more transition for the future, but it's even today the ones that we have on the road are not compliant even with an old rules. And the car industry should really be up to the task. It's their fault. They should fund a large either retrofit program to retrofit these cars so they don't finish in Eastern Europe polluting the air there or simply scrap them and replace them with cleaner alternatives. They own it to our consumers and public health in Europe. I feel like the scandals surrounding Dieselgate 1 and Dieselgate 2, you know, the cartel revelations, is what created the political opening for this new bill. Do you think so? That's certainly one of the key considerations. I think what people understand now is that no matter how far we go with diesel regulations, given how smart today's technology is, you can always find a way to cheat a test. So that's why one of the simplest ways to get around it is simply to move to simple electric motors. They don't have any pollution. They don't have to cheat tests. They're zero emission. So that's one. Another aspect which is important is that as part of this new CAS CO2 law in Europe, we're also talking finally about real world compliance. We're trying to move away from unrepresentative obsolete laboratory tests to actually check in how cars perform when they're driven in real world. And again, this is where diesel and petrol will get, again, another disadvantage, and it will be a big advantage to zero emission cars because they will always perform better. And I fully agree on this. And when we see the technology, basically, if we want to reach any improvement in a CO2 emission of a traditional car, it goes only on the expense of very big complexity. So we're adding very complicated technology into the cars. And as we said, this technology will probably not work during the whole lifetime of the vehicle. And it's unfortunate, but we can see it in the world. People are misusing catalytic converters just after a few years in use, and then all these things simply doesn't work. So 
in my view, adding the complexity to the combustion engine vehicle is not the way forward. The way forward is really to move to the pure electric vehicles. There's also a discussion on whether we go for a more kind of transition option or plug-in hybrid vehicles, as they're called, or whether we really go fully zero for battery options and fuel cells, for example. The car industry is especially driven by concerns to, to keep the current production lines of combustion engines really wants to push us towards plug-in hybrid route, which is not zero emission, and it's really not what we need long-term. So it's also very important to have a, the right focus and not distort our market in more inferior technology and go for the best. Let's talk about the bill itself so people understand where it is in the legislative process. Yes, so we are currently in the final negotiations, what's called trilex in the European uh, lingua franca, uh, where it's uh, the Parliament, the Commission and the Council of Ministers are meeting all together to hammer out the final agreement. So they are coming with all of their positions and amendments and trying to agree what actually will be the final law. The next trilex meeting is planned for 4th of December, so in a few weeks' time. And it is very likely that it will be one of the last meetings where the final uh, deal will actually be made. What are the points of disagreement, let's say just the major ones, that they're trying to hammer out? So the one and the main one is around the level of ambition. So what CO2 targets will manufacturers have to meet? How much CO2 they have to reduce? And actually what we have on the table ranges between 30% proposed by commission, cut by 2030, 35% proposed by the Council of Ministers, albeit with some loopholes, and 40% proposed by the Parliament. So we're likely to be somewhere in the late 30s. If you look at independent evidence, however, to be in line with Paris, we need to reduce our CO2 emissions from new cars by around 60% in 2030. So that already gives you a flavor by how much politicians are far from where we need to be. That's one element. And the second biggest element is what incentives should we give to electric cars in Europe to really make sure that that market grows and the sales of them grow. Uh, We have proposals from the parliament that are most ambitious. Again, they really want to see something very close to a ZEF mandate in California, where we will actually have rather binding sales uh, levels for car manufacturers. So they really have to sell a certain amount of electric cars, and if not, they're penalized. Neither the European Commission nor the European member states are supporting this, uh, driven by concerns of the diesel car industry that they can't get ready on time. And it's very frustrating because actually uh, it's that um, mandatory nature of those sales targets that creates the certainty that we talked about before. It's only if we know the amount of electric cars we will have on the road that we can plan for infrastructure, for grid upgrades. If we just have voluntary numbers, they don't really give much for the industry to really plan and prepare. I can only fully agree. We spoke about the charging infrastructure, which needs a predictability, but there is as well another field, a very strongly pushed by uh, European Commission now, it's uh, batteries. You know, batteries are a very big topic all around the world. We want to have a battery production in Europe, but if we want to have a battery production in Europe and should be feasible economically and long term, you need to activate the billions of euro. And if you need billions of euro, you need to come to the bank and you need to give them certain plan. And the plan always depends on the takeoff of these batteries. How many electric vehicles will be built in Europe and how many batteries will be needed. And this uncertainty at the moment is one of the biggest problems for starting the really strong battery initiative in Europe. 
So this bill has a many, many implication, not only for electric vehicles, charging industry, or other things, but the whole ecosystem of future clean vehicles. I think that this whole debate around the jobs and the industries that are created by electrification, battery storage, and the new energy economy is something that we're going to look into in a later discussion because there's so much there, and it's also a very hot part of the debate right now. Um, We're running out of time, but Julia, just quickly, if I am a normal person sitting or a student somewhere, you know, sitting in my room, listening to this podcast, wondering how I can be involved in this process, if there's any opportunities for me to influence where this goes, what can I do and when do I need to do it by? First of all, you have to do it very fast. And secondly, it's really important that you do something. There is many opportunities to really write on contact your environment and transport ministries in your country, because at the moment, the discussions are really behind the closed door. Car industry is exerting a lot of pressure. They have lots of links. So it's really important for governments, especially, to feel the pressure, to feel that people care about this, that they want those electric cars, they want them in the future, they want clean air. So I would really recommend getting in touch with your ministries and ask them to have an ambitious EV law for battery electric cars. I guess one interesting thing to note here is that because this is EU-wide legislation, it would affect all of the member states of the EU so that there are not 27 separate markets with their own laws, but rather this would be an ability to enact comprehensive EU-wide legislation that would really affect the whole continent. And that's what I think therein is one of its great values. We could obviously talk a lot more about all of these topics, but we're really out of time. Thank you so much for your time, for letting people know how they can be involved. And clearly it also shows that, you know, who your member of European Parliament is matters. You know, who you elect into office in your home country matters and can influence many different types of legislation. With that, we will conclude the second episode of Electric Avenue. This was really important to us and powerful, so we hope that uh, you get something from it. Please let us know what you think of the episode. You can email us, me at aaron.fishbone at greenwaynetwork.com. You can tweet at us at gwoperator.com. Julia, you can reach her at Transport and Environment. Go to their website or check them out on social media. And definitely contact your elected officials at the European level and your national governments. Let them know what you think about this topic. Your voice matters and your voice has power. With that, thank you very, very much. Dovidinia from Bratislava. And we wish you many happy electric kilometers. Thank you as well. Dovidinia. Uh,